dude, I was doing yard work. This thing was like all of a sudden on my neck. I like smacked it off. Massive spider on my throat. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's actually bad. And like I didn't know if I like I couldn't. I like felt its legs. But then I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, did it just bite me? Oh, I have another thing. We can talk about this, too. I have some advice to ask. Okay. All right. Only Let's do answer. it. Okay, go. Go. Let's- go. Welcome to the Open Road Podcast. Mm. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy. He's a host, and I'm a host. I'm Calvin. Hey, and how you doing? Goal, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing good. And, and the goal of this podcast, for those of you who may be new here, um, is to help people find more adventure in their everyday. And so this is um, basically the most low-key style of podcast out there. <laughs> it is two guys talking, usually bringing on interviews, I... a, a couple little bumpers of music, but it's it, you know it's nothing crazy. Have you? I I couldn't disagree more. I d- well no. Have you? The caliber of podcasting as podcasting grows, Jeremy, in popularity. Um, yes. And people enter into this world of thinking that they can do it. Um, there is some low bar podcasting out there, <laughs> and it is bad. And if you yes. can avoid it, and it sounds bad, I would advise you to do so. It sounds bad. The content's bad. The hosts are bad. Uh, really, everything's bad. So no, we're, I don't think we're that bad. We've been doing this for a couple uh, of years. No, we I... got some episodes under our belts. We got some followers. We got some hours in. I have the gear. I don't, got the content. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we are bad. I'm saying if you're listening now, do not expect for the next hour to be taken on a cinematic, no. uh, edited journey. This is like this is like that type of podcast where you're sitting in a living room with people having a drink. You know what I'm saying? Yes. This is um, dinner party conversation happening in your own head. Exactly. Exactly. So if if that's something that you're into. Uh, this this show is for you, and we're really glad to have you with us. Probably most of the people listening have been with us for a while, and so uh, thank you for tuning in. Tell a friend to uh, join in on the adventure conversation if you haven't done so already, but uh, that, that's us, Cal. Jared, I mean, find an adventure. I mean, you wanted to just hear what I just finished doing? Absolutely. I just finished, uh, I mean, I was on the internet, and I made a giant jug, it's not done, uh, of cold brew coffee. You were on the internet and you did finding them? out how to do this. Oh, you know what I mean. And then I was in my kitchen making this rig. Can you please, please tell me what on earth the hype is about cold brew? Okay, so here's how it started. Kate, Kate and I just finished dinner. She says to me, "Ah, I'd love a coffee right now." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, what? I would too." Sometimes we'll have a small cup of coffee after dinner, but it was kind of hot out. We had the doors open, and I'm like, I don't really want a hot beverage. I'm kind of hot right now. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make an iced coffee. So we made a couple of iced coffees, and I'm like, hey, what's the difference between iced coffee and cold brew? So I'm Googling it, and then I stumbled As you're sipping on your iced coffee? Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, how do you even make cold brew? Like, what is it? And then I just found a little recipe on the internet, and I'm like, "Ah, I'll try it. I got all the crap out right now, so I just tried it. what's... What's all the crap? Literally a coarse grind of beans. Okay. And then you put it in a, your jug with the normal amount of water. And then you just have to let it like marinate for 12 hours in the fridge with the odd stirring session. And then you strain it after. And that's literally it. I've never even had just it. 12 hours of cold brewing. That's it. 
What did you do to the pot? Nothing. I did it in a juice jug. Wow. What's the hype about this oh. thing? Like, how is it that difficult? Why is it coming out of, like, beer taps? No, it's not. No, that's nitro brew, bro. Oh, that's nitro brew? Where they added yeah. nitrogen. I have Am no I right? idea. I, I, this is what I'm saying. It's like, like I feel in the coffee world, maybe I think we've gone too far. Yeah. Yeah, fine. You can make that conclusion. And maybe it's because I haven't had any of these beverages, but it's also because right. I want to pay pay six dollars for nitro brew. No way. I mean, I'm still a, I'm dead set on. I love drip coffee, straight up drip. Drink it black. It's awesome. Yep, yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, you know what though? It is cool that you did that. It's like me and my adventure with uh, brewing beer. You're now yeah. brewing uh, cold brew. Pretty low investment time and money. Well, I'd love. To, so it's brewing right now. It's colding. It's in the fridge. I mean, I'm doing it right now, and I'll be it's doing cold, it overnight. Cold. Is it called colding? I guess so. No, I think it's slowly brewing. It's brewing. Technically, right now it is in the brewing phase. Well, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see how it uh, how it turns out. Actually, you know what? If, Here's the if thing: you, if you have four minutes of time, do it yourself. You no, know, if you think to, maybe I will do some, and then we'll put it on our story. Us both drinking our cold brew. Nice. I'd like you to do a batch as well. Okay, I'll do a batch. Every, anyone well, can yeah. do it. Anyone has coffee and water at home. You just have to have a grinder that's going to... Apparently, the trick is I read a couple of things to grind it really coarse. So, like, almost half the size. Just chop each bean in half. Mm, that coarse. That's pretty coarse. Quar- <laughs> quarter it up. Maybe julienne, julienne the beans. <laughs> Put them through the large side of the grater on your cheese grater. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, my fingers... So, uh, Jared, okay, um, I'll, I'll do some. I'll do some. You're looking fresh. I mean, you did you just come out of the garden or did you just come in from a run? I never know with you anymore. Well, as a matter of fact, Calvin, I did both. Okay. Okay. And I Running have the my... gardens, aka the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. The spring is here and I am all in on the new fitness craze. I love it. I love it. Tell me all and, about it. And as I have been starting with this new craze, I have kind of been thinking to myself. Especially as I've had to like buy a little bit of gear, I'm like, am I the person who just goes from thing to thing? Because I did CrossFit a little while ago, like bought CrossFit shoes. Haven't used them much since I stopped going to the CrossFit gym. You can't use those shoes for anything else? No, you can use it for working out and like, but but now my new found fitness uh, hobby, I guess, is running and I want to run a 10K. You want to run a 10K? Well, I'm going to run a 10K. Big whoop. Who can't well, run a 10K? Well, see, that's that's what I'm thinking. So Kitty Kitty asked me a little while. She's like, do you, want, do you want to run a 10K with me? And I was like, yeah, aren't those kind of like big whoop? Right. And so I've started running, which has actually been really good. Um, I, I don't mind it. But now I had to buy new running shoes because I didn't Ew. have running shoes. Dagger. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. It was like 100 bucks. But at, but yeah, I'm like, am I just – now I have two pairs of gym-type shoes. Is that – Two, is that one too many? You've got two pairs of single-purpose shoes, which kind are tough of, to I, justify, right? I I've agree. Never, I've never been able to pull the trigger on golf shoes yet, just because I can't stand <laughs> the fact that it would be a single-purpose shoe sitting in my closet. Yeah, so anyway, so that tells me maybe that I need to, as a person, like grab onto something and really go with it. But, yeah. you know, I will be running a 10K. I'm, I have the Nike Run Club app in my phone, which is a pretty fun app for tracking your runs and whatnot. Okay. Um. It's probably like a Strava. Strava's for biking, right? Uh, Strava's also for running. Uh, I, it is I, for I running? tried both. I like 
th- that one I didn't find nearly as good as Strava. I might try Strava, but right now I'm in the May challenge of to run 50k in May. You should get Strava just to watch Kyle Bissett's action on there. Oh my gosh, dude, he was shredding on a bike like right? uh he was shredding on a bike. I just saw a nice pic of him on Instagram. Yeah, have you ever seen not a nice pic of him on Instagram? The guy's Great gorgeous. Point. <laughs> Great point. But hey, I I got this uh, I'm doing this 50k in May running challenge and I've already done 10k out of the 50. Sorry, say that again. You're running what's the challenge? Like in the app it's like run oh, 50 yeah, yeah. kilometers during the month. Oh, in the month. Gotcha. In the month. In in the month. And I've already uh done 10. So I kind of am doing like every time I go running I'll do kind of like a 5k. I challenge you to double it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to build to the double. <laughs> I can't just smash my goal. What am I? What, what, what will I have to live for? Yeah, that's true. No, you're absolutely right. What will you have to live for? Uh, but it's I'm hilarious. Proud of you. Like, so is there like an event? Like, when is this 10K? Like, what's the goal right now? Well, yeah. So, I mean, the goal is just to run a 10K. We haven't signed okay. up for one yet. We'll probably oh, do it a little bit later in the summer. And like, oh, it, ha- it has to be like a proper event. Well, I think that's like what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do you have to pay for those? Like, yeah, I think you pay a couple couple bucks, 50 bucks or less. Weird, eh? Maybe, th- maybe 20 bucks? Try, There's try, a bunch try of, and do one with a purpose, eh, Jer? Come on. You mean like Make raise some money? Make something. Well, Well, yeah, I feel like there's maybe. a lot of charity 10Ks, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah maybe they're no, all charity. There's also a bunch of like mech ones. that Those are the ones that, you know, those ones are not for charity, but they're for communities. You know, community's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you satisfied? So, I, are you are you happy, Jer, with happy what you're with <laughs> happy with that answer? Cohen's like, I re- I went 80 km on a tandem bike, okay, for charity, okay. Need I bring up the 80k on a tandem for children to go to camp? And you're just gonna run a wussy 10k that you could do tomorrow, and you're not even gonna, yeah. So anyway, but it has been fun to get outside and. This oh. spring in particular, man, has been just so oh, – I think we talked about this last week, actually. Mm. It's just been so so lovely to get outside, you know? Here's what I keep saying. People keep bringing up the weather to me, and my go-to line to kind of get out of it quick. And Who I cares? Say, a, I start with Big Whoop, and then I move <laughs> on to um, the spring is very welcomed. It's welcomed. That usually and then you, dies. And then you can move on. And then, then, then we can move, move on. on, right? We yeah, can all agree that this is a very welcomed spring. You want to know what's not welcome as far as Tell me. the spring is Tell concerned? Tell me. Two things. Uh, and the, this has to go with the second hobby of mine that you said, which is gardening. And no, I wasn't gardening today, but I was cleaning up a bunch of the leaves on the side of my house that I didn't get to last fall. Um, but I, so as I've been like looking at our property and kind of seeing yeah, yeah. things, cool, cool. The, we, we had this massive windstorm that just like yep. – took out a bunch of branches and there's a bunch of like maintenance I need to do on these trees that are like starting to get like really close to the house sure. and this, that, and the other. Just got the quote from the arborist. Oh no. They're nasty. Dagger. Dagger. Is it, is it, tell me. It's a bit of a dagger. Tell me what it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Well, All right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. Let somewhere, me know what, Is it just, somewhere just between, branch work? Yeah. Well, okay. I, I won't say what it is. That's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's like a bunch of, Basically, every tree needs some maintenance. It hasn't been done in about five and a bit years. And then there's some like massive branches that are stuck uh, in the tree, and those need to be taken care of. So, you know, it's it's fine. I I, I love the trees, and I think you want to treat them right. So Can I tell you that, like, we're going to get to this later, but, like, 
in the next two weeks, you're going to have like six or seven dudes our age all over at your property. Let's let's assess it with 14 different eyes that have had a couple beers in them. And then let's <laughs> maybe try a little ourselves to get that bill down for you. Right, right, right. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. We'll think about that. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then the other thing is last year, I don't know if you remember, I think we talked about this. There's all these little worms that eat all the leaves off the trees. Yes, yes. And that was a big while deal we were, last year. While I was walking away around with the arborist, we saw all the little nests, which means that they're going to be back. So now on Seriously? top of the on top of the bill for the cleanup, he's going to – we're probably going to do a little bit of a treatment. Yeah. Good night. Anyway, the adventure of homeownership continues with I, I tree maintenance, paying real money to keep the trees healthy. Yeah, I I, uh, I also have a tree I got to take down on our property this year. Bit of a dagger. But if you got to take the whole thing down, that's the whole thing do. down. Yeah. Anyways, Jer, um, speaking yeah. of your backyard, how's the hot tub treating you? Excellent, love it every day. I gotta I gotta probe you with a bit of a question. I've been presented with an interesting opportunity to acquire an old used hot tub. <laughs> For free. Mm. I'm really hesitant, Jer. What could I possibly be getting myself into with this? I would I would hesitate all the way to the bank. You would, eh? Because yeah, that's where it's gonna take me all the way to the bank. hundred percent. Getting an old hot tub. Yeah. I mean, is it in perfect working condition? And can you promise that? And can you get it set up? Like will like if Jer- he pays you to put it in your yard, then say yes. If he pays me to put it in my yard? Correct. What's that supposed to mean? Who in the right if he wants to, that? dude, it's funny. The value of these things goes way down because if people want to get rid of them. He like would, it's so such a hassle that they just, yeah. Okay, um, I don't think anyone would pay me to do that. To bring just it to my yard. Oh, like you pay me to get rid of it for them. Uh, no, I mean for him, if he wants it gone, he's got to get it set up at your house. Okay, that's a good. That's an. And then the thought. hassle's off yeah. his back. He's paying b- bucks a month to keep it running. So sure, sure, sure. After a few months, it starts saving him. I mean, sure, it's being like given away because he doesn't even want anything for it in working order. But I mean, what does that exactly. mean? Jared? I recently that's acquired my a... exact point right there. You're telling me he wants nothing for it, which means he's desperate to get rid of it. Right. I mean, Jer, I recently acquired a vehicle that was in working <laughs> order. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the vehicle after our interview because I was trying to come up with a good segue of like the waters of the hot tub to the water uh, that our upcoming guest kite surfs on. Nice. Okay, uh, we'll stay on that. We'll, so we'll 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 have, bring on Sebastian from Germany. Uh, I just like saying Sebastian in German way I like more than I like saying it. Way more than in English. So let's uh, let's bring him on and, and have a chat. What do you say? Oh, I say yes. Things working? Oh, I think we're getting there. Oh, I see. Hi. Be you. Hey. Hi, Jeremy. Let me put on my video. Yes. Ah, good. Guten Morgen, Sebastian. Wie geht es dir heute? That was that was excellent, Jeremy. That was great. I'm doing Dankeschön. fine. How are you? Ah, sehr Hi. gut. Mein Deutsch ist okay. Uh, ich ich spreche ein bisschen uh, mit meiner Familie. Ja, du sprichst sehr gut Deutsch. Nicht Danke. schlecht. Du hast es gelernt. <laughs> Ich habe es gelernt von meinen Eltern. Meine ganze Familie ist von Deutschland und ich ja, ich kann ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen. Ja, cool, nicht schlecht. Und wie seid ihr nach Kanada gekommen? Das muss ich jetzt mal gerade fragen. Meine Familie? 
Ja. Oh, meine, meine Großeltern hat zu Kanada gekommen und meine ja. Mutter ist Geschwister. Also sind alle in Deutschland geboren, aber meine Mutter war hier in Kanada geboren. Cool, ja. So, ja, wir, Kanada wir ist auch nicht schlecht. Für, für. Ah, nochmal? Ich sagte, Kanada ist auch nicht schlecht. Da würde ich, also wenn ich es mir aussuchen könnte, glaube ich, würde ich auch so in die Richtung gehen. Kanada, Deutschland hat beides. Hat beides, glaube ich, Vor- und Nachteile. Okay. Calvin, how you doing over there? Um, Sebastian said not bad at some point. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, he did say not bad. Nicht schlecht. My German yeah. is not bad. Yeah, that's right. I caught that. Well, hey, no, man. Nice, uh, we can nice to meet you guys. Yeah, good to meet you too. A bit. <laughs> Uh, thanks for making some time to uh, to chat with us. What were you going to say, Kyle? He's crystal clear for me. Like, just crystal clear. Yeah, you sound really good. Yeah, really nice. And and you were saying you've never done any podcast before? Uh, frankly speaking, no. No, we've done a lot of video projects, which were, however, mostly... Ah, hi. Hi there. Nice oh, there to meet you. Hi, man. No, mostly we've been, we've been doing, like, video projects, which we plan way in advance and yeah. we don't really have a script or anything but we we go out and work a lot with video but podcast not so much i think it's not that much of a popular format yet in the kiting uh, industry mm -hmm. but let's see that may be about to change yeah you see see how you like podcasting today and then maybe you start the uh, the kiting podcast that goes uh, viral across <laughs> the community uh, if i only had about 48 hours per day. That would be ideal. I also <laughs> started a blog um, some time ago. It's called OutsideEffect.com. Just because I have so much cool pictures, so, so many cool pictures yeah. and so much video floating around on my hard disk that I was yeah, thinking, yeah. okay, it might be a waste just to have them sit around and yeah. not do anything with it. Mm -hmm. But then what came into my way is basically life normal life you know working earning yeah, yeah. a living yeah just like you guys you're about to head off to work huh must be <laughs> a little yeah, yeah, work yeah. interview yeah <laughs> sounds great no so i wish i could do a podcast i think it would be a great format and i i really like the format i listen to many podcasts myself like whenever yeah. i'm in the train riding yeah. on the train or driving the car i just love the format it's just just perfect However, it's a lot of time, as you guys probably know, and yeah. I don't really think I will have that. Well, and especially what we find is if you are already good at video content, I mean, video content is much more consumable. A two to five minute video can get like thousands and thousands of views or can be really cool. Whereas to get a new podcast listener, someone who's going to give yeah. you like an hour a week, it's mm -hmm. it's a big ask. So it's it's definitely... A format that has its perks and a lot of upside, but it just depends on what you kind of want. So, exactly. Yeah. So, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll just we'll just dive right in. Um, I I don't know how I came across your page on Instagram, but I I saw German kite surfing freestyle champion. I'm like, I love. We haven't had a German on here yet. We got to get some Germans on the podcast. And uh, tell us about how you got started in the world mm. of kite surfing and how you ended up a freestyle champion and what that even means. <laughs> sure. Um, the, the, how it all started was basically I, I was born and raised near the sea. And up here, you know, people just learn how to sail from, from a very young age on. So I learned how to sail. I was always in touch with water sports. Then I learned how to windsurf. I think that was about at the age of eight or nine. 
Yeah. And then eventually kitesurfing kind of came uh, came across, or I came over across kiting because it started in the States, I don't know, like 1999, 1998, something like that. And it eventually made its way to Europe. And I saw a bunch of guys kiting down at the beach and I was like, oh my God, this looks insane. I have to try that. <laughs> So I ran down, I was just a kid back then, I was maybe like 11, 12 years old. I ran down and I spoke to the guys and because I could already windsurf and sail and had a good understanding of the wind and the waves and, and everything, mm. they agreed to lend me their kite whenever they took a break on the beach. So I was just sitting around on the beach waiting for them to take right. a break, grab <laughs> their kite, go out for a quick ride and then come back in and progress eventually very slowly and then uh yeah one day i told my parents like i have to get a kite sorry there's no way around this and it was freaking <laughs> expensive back then because yeah exactly it's still expensive but nowadays you have a large second market and if you want to start out you can get okay, yeah. good gear for cheap or for right. comparatively cheap but back then you had to go into a shop and buy mm -hmm. a new a new kite which was about i don't know a thousand euros or something like that wow and yeah they were like no this is it we told you how to sail we told you how to windsurf <laughs> we told you all these different sports how to hike and climb and whatnot and now it's that's it and then i spoke to this one guy and he eventually agreed like look if you want i can borrow you my old kite i'm getting a new one and so there i was you know, standing in front of my parents with him, asking them for permission if I was <laughs> allowed to grab the tide and start the sport. They were a bit grumpy at first, but then uh, it all worked out fine. Oh, oh that's, that's awesome. so good. And so now you had your first kite and you just started going very often. And if you're by the sea, does that mean you're in the north or in the west? Or... Is that Baltic Sea? Uh, Exactly. I'm in the northeast, so the northwest, uh, the north sea isn't far away. It's about an hour drive from where I live, and the Baltic Sea is right here. I'm living in Flensburg, which is the nor northernmost town in Germany. It's okay. right at the Danish border. So right. basically, I was going to say you've got to be up by Denmark then. Exactly. We are right, right at the border to Denmark, and basically, from my parents' house, I can look right over the sea. And I can see Denmark no because we have a water that runs through like a little side arm of the sea. And yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Oh, okay. You could surf Denmark. to Denmark. Exactly. You could we tide over. Many times, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's no, so and then Yeah, so then I started going really often. Eventually, I said, okay, look, windsurfing, it's been nice. But I, I have to decide every time, do I go kiting now? Do I go windsurfing? Mm -hmm. And simply with the windsurfing... You can do many tricks. It's pretty tough when you want to learn new stuff. So it's quite challenging and technical. And you need waves to go really high. And we don't have waves here at the Baltic Sea many, uh, very often. So I decided with a kite, you know, it can lift you up. It can pull you out of the water in any wind. You don't need seven before and, and large waves for that. You can just mm -hmm. go big in 15 knots of breeze. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, that's it. Focusing on kiting now every day. And then I think about two or three years later, I signed up for a competition and that was a juniors competition as well. Like not only the men's freestyle competition, but also the juniors. And to my surprise, I won. So that was kind of my my outset of competing. Right. And I found a new sponsor and I've been working with them ever since. Flysiffer Kiteboarding is the brand's name. 
they're based in Germany as well, a German brand. And yeah, I've been working with them since 2002, which wow. <laughs> has been a very long time That's by now. Time. A very long time for, yeah, for a person to stick to a brand as well. I don't know many guys that didn't change their sponsor before. Right. No, that's amazing. For this time. No, and that then basically it all started. And in 2006, that was kind of the peak of my competing career, competition career in kite surfing. And at the same time, I also, or sort of in parallel, I started snow kiting, by the way. And I did also compete in freestyle snow kiting competitions. And I became junior world champion and a German champion as well. However... Considering the competition in kite surfing is actually much harder, also because mm. you don't have that split between ski and snowboard. Mm -hmm. You just have the kiteboard and freestyle. It's just one big group, yep. which makes it a bit harder to win. Um, yeah, I consider that my my biggest achievement so far. What's nice? The, what's the layout of a competition for the surfing? How do, how does that all look? It's quite straightforward. You have a box in which you can do your tricks. The box is marked by buoys that float on the water. It's about, I'd say, 300 by 300 meters big, mm -hmm. right at the beach. And then you have a tower or like some kind of elevated um, area where the judges sit and monitor the area very carefully. Then you have, I believe it was, it depends on the conditions as well, but right, usually right. you have like nine or 10 minutes time and you have a preheat kind of flag order. So the red flag goes up and then the yellow flag goes up and then eventually the green flag goes up and and you hear the horn and you have to really go for it. 10 minutes, mm -hmm. that's all you have. Uh, bales, crashes don't count, um, only landed tricks. So you have to be quite tactical as well. You have right. to monitor right. your editor very carefully. Does that mean that um, falls and crashes don't count against you? Uh, they don't. You don't get any points. You can do as many crashes as you want, but in the end, you will only be at zero points if right. you haven't landed a trick. Mainly, you're losing so, valuable yeah. time. Exactly, you're losing time, and the more you risk, the more you can gain as sure. well. Yeah, yeah. Because the harder tricks uh, have a higher likelihood of you crashing, mm -hmm. and on the other hand, you have to also depend on how good your competitor is. If you have a somebody who's worse than you, and you know you can beat him for sure. You can just focus on some easy tricks. If you have, if you're up against like uh, another guy that's really, really good rider, you have to give everything. And you have to right. start with, out with your safe tricks first, and then sort of towards the end, if you've gained enough points, you have to really go for the hardest mm -hmm. ones. Mm -hmm. So there is a pretty good mental game of you kind of know how many points you probably have because are is it standard points for different tricks, or is there still some room to give more or less? There's some room for how you execute a specific trick if you do it with style a lot of points. power and style, exactly. But um, the majority of the points um, per trick, you, you you know, I don't really have the numbers in my head, but I know no. which trick is harder and which trick counts more. And you really look at your competitor, and if you see him crash a lot, you know, you can relax. And if you see him nail one after one, you know, you have to, mm. yep. have to show something. Yep. Exactly. Oh, that, that's very cool. Um, in your... In your time on the water and, and learning this new sport and kind of even going through from sailing and windsurfing, is there something that you've that you've learned that you that you've kind of grabbed onto? We always like to share something with our listeners around. Okay, you know, you've been doing this sport for a long time. What's something interesting that you would have learned uh, along the way? Um, well, I would say 
I wouldn't be who I am now without the sport. Basically, my whole life from age 11 to, well, I would say a bit about five, six years ago, has focused around the sport. Um, why didn't I focus on the sport in the last couple of years? That is because I, I grew up, I studied, I graduated, and I signed up for a job like we all have to do eventually. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. um, as you know, it really compromises your available time. Sure. I also have a partner and enjoy very much spending my time with her. And um, she is not a kiter which um, is totally fine with me. It's, it's good that I have a bit of a balance in my life as well. And then on the other hand, it means that I can't always be on the water when I'm with her. Obviously, it's a compromise like every relationship is, so you have to invest some time as well. And, and that's why I haven't been focusing so much on the kiting or why I also stopped competing, not only because I, I'm 30, I grew old for being a competitor <laughs> in the sport. <laughs> Yeah, and my bones hurt, my knees hurt, and my back hurts, and from all the hard landings on the flat water, and yeah. you know you have these young kids coming up, and you see them just rip, and they don't feel any pain when they is that pretty when discouraging they crash. to see that like you've put so many years in the competition, and you see a guy you know like fifteen years younger than you just crushing it, but that was you fifteen years ago. You know that's also one of the big things that changed. Um, and what I've learned is I don't need to be the best guy out there anymore. Yeah. Mm. I I had my achievements. I had my good days on the water and the competi- um, on the competition. But now what I just enjoy just as much basically is if I see somebody learning this beautiful sport. If I can teach somebody, you know, to learn it. I taught some friends of mine how to kitesurf recently and. It's just so cool, you know, you see yeah. them progress and, and you can really share what you've learned with them. And I enjoy that very, very much. Yeah, it's always cool teaching someone a skill or, or a sport like that and seeing it click for them. And then they kind of really lock on and they can kind of, you know, see how you know, you've uh, been enjoying it for so many years. Absolutely, absolutely. And they understand what you're talking about when you're talking about yeah. that perfect session and, and, you know, you being out on the water for 12 hours straight and barely being able to walk back to your car. That's, <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. What was it about kiting that kind of really gr- grabbed you? Like, what was the thing that made you really passionate about it and say, yes, I want to be all in on kiting versus um, some of those other things? Like, was there something about the the sport, the feeling, what, 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 what was it about it that made you really excited about it? What really gripped me back then was um, the, you know, with windsurfing, you have a big sail and it all weighs a lot. And with kiting, all you have is the bar. You have like a right. bar that's maybe that wide in your hands, maybe, in, I don't know, 50 centimeters, something like that, to steer the kite. And everything else, the kite, you know, generates a lot of lift and updraft. So the heavy kite is not you know you, you don't have to hold it you don't have to push it around or anything then you have a light board on your feet and the kite generating all that lifted dust when you when you get it right when you get the timing right you can go you know we have these new sensors on our boards they're called woo they measure like through acceleration and they compute how high you go mm. and i mean a 10 meter jump is a straight thing you can do that when you have enough wind that's no problem <laughs> Guys have been boosting up to 25, 26 meters when you have the right conditions in it's Cape crazy. Town. Uh, 
Yeah, I'll send you guys some videos after yeah. this podcast. It's pretty insane. Like, you go huge. And you can do all that. And now, recently, you know, the good thing about kiting, what basically made me not get bored of it is that it's so diverse. Yeah. Mm. Now, recently, hydrofoiling came along. And hydrofoiling is basically, you can think of it as, I mean, maybe you guys have seen the America's Cup races and sailing. Yeah. Where they have these wings under mm -hmm. the boat and they float over the water. Yep. It's basically it's the just same a little thing. bit in the water, right? Exactly. It's basically like like a, a rear wing and a front wing um, connected with a fuselage, mm -hmm. and you have a big mast that's connected to your board. And then when you get when you get going fast enough, the thing will generate enough updraft so that it's pushing you up and your board out of the water. That means all that's left in the water are these tiny wings, which are super. Um, hydrodynamic so they generate nearly no drag at all mm -hmm. and you can go full speed like 40 50 kilometers three, wow. four times the speed of the wind right and barely any wind and it's so cool you know you have this glassy water your kite barely stays up in the air as soon as you get fast enough you're just gone wow and that's what makes it exciting. And also, you know, the adventure side of the sport, which I've really engaged in a lot recently, is like with snow kiting in particular. Yeah. We've done two expeditions to Alaska where we flew out on a glacier in a, in a small ski plane and we set up a base camp and we hiked and, and skinned and, and kited around the area over and over. Wow. And then also with hydrofoiling you can do long distance trips that's something we started recently i got some pretty cool waterproof backpacks that are made by ortlieb a german brand uh maybe you know them for their bike bags you know if you see somebody that has a bag on their bike they're yeah. usually made from ortlieb. Oh, but anyways okay. yeah. we have these waterproof backpacks so we can store our, our clothes and some food in there and we can just set off and we can go wow. 150 200 kilometers in a day easily <laughs> That is so cool. That is amazing. Yeah, I guess that would yeah get you excited to and especially that's so different than competing, but it's still really adventurous and really fun. And you're spending all that time with probably pretty close friends of yours. Absolutely, that's a big part of the sport for sure. You know, you're you're one group. You're one. Um, you share the same passion. Mm -hmm. You always meet for a beer after the session on the beach, and we yeah, all have. Yeah, yeah camper vans or or small vans and we just camp out in the in the wild and and it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool sport pretty cool scene you know pretty mellow it became a bit too big for my taste in the recent years it kind of you know with the e equipment being so much more user-friendly than it was before and also right. becoming available at cheaper rates it's grown quite big but um mm. there's still the core group you know that that i really enjoy to hang out with yeah. And so I, I know you also do quite a bit of world traveling. Do you have friends that, like you said, Cape Town, have you been there? Do you have friends like in all different parts of the world and all kind of the kiting hotspots? Uh, frankly, I haven't been to Cape Town yet, which is a shame because it's one of the major kiting hotspots in the world. Mm, Everybody yep. goes there in January, February. Right. However, um, having said that, yeah, for sure, I know quite a lot of people all over the globe. And, and it's it, it's kind of cool, but then at the same time, it's kind of sad that you don't get to visit them as often as you would like to. Right, you know? right. You yeah, that's always, always tough. always chat yeah. on emails. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the downside of it for sure. But other than that, if you meet them, it's just it's just even better, you know. You yeah. haven't seen each other for ages and you can enjoy it even more. 
And what way do you fly through to Alaska? Because if you come across the Atlantic, definitely stop in Toronto next time and say hello on your way out to Vancouver and then up to Alaska. I don't know what way you go. <laughs> Head up Lake Ontario. Should, yeah, exactly. I should definitely do, uh, have done that um, back then. But I, I even flew just over you guys, I think. Yeah, you would have. Or pretty close because mm -hmm. we flew to Seattle. And then in Seattle, we changed and we took another six hours flight with Delta or I don't know, and just yeah, yeah. right up to Anchorage. Mm -hmm. It's always a bit of a of a mission to get up there. For you guys, it's not not that bad, is it? Should oh, be like... It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. Did okay. you did you go Berlin to Seattle? Uh, no, we flew. I think we we stopped over in in Amsterdam and Holland. Okay. Yeah, and so for us, it would be about a five-hour flight from Toronto to Seattle or Toronto to Vancouver, and then the same yeah. flight up to Anchor. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's very far. <laughs> for us, so. it's even farther. So yeah, no, anyway. yeah, very far. Yeah, for you too. Yeah, yeah. You guys must have some pretty cool kiting around the Great Lakes too. You know, I've I've heard of some people that kite there, and yeah, we do. Oh, we yeah, Lake we Huron, totally do. Lake Ontario, yeah, it's pretty popular. Well, and. And even Lake Erie, I have some some friends and some cousins of mine that bought a couple of uh, kite boards and, and started going on Lake Erie a bunch. And my dad was kind of hanging out with them and saw them and was really kind of intrigued about it and thought that I should maybe get one. But I don't live kind of on the on the lake anymore. And it, yeah. it seems like a tough, tough sport to get into if you don't have someone to teach you. Yeah. And it's, kind I, of it's still kind of expensive, so... Yeah, I wouldn't recommend buying a kite and just giving it a shot because that is kind of dangerous or can be dangerous. You definitely need to know the, the basics and that comes along with uh, meteorology and the weather because we right. have these um, these showers, these rain showers in the summer, mm. in the fall that come across here. And on the front side of a rain shower, you usually get gusts that you know are easily double the wind speed that you had before the shower arrived. And people don't know that, and they they tend to, you know, with onshore winds, right. many obstacles on the land, cars, um, <laughs> I don't know, wave breakers, piers, whatever, and you name it. And we have security systems on the kites nowadays, you know, you just can pull a quick release. It's, oh, it's yeah. nothing compared to what we, I mean, we, we started basically, with. Yeah, we started with gear that put our lives in danger. Just it was chained crazy. onto it. Well, yeah, yeah we this, is, totally this is the thing. You're like... You can't really control the wind, and that kite is massive, and it's just pulling. Like I feel like getting a good understanding to get to the place where you can really control it is takes quite a bit of practice. Uh, it's not that bad anymore no? because there are some basics, and the kites can depower, so you have right. a range. You can only, okay. not only steer the kite left and right with your bar by pulling on the left hand. It's not like you, you would turn a wheel. I think it's more like you're pulling it down on the left hand and then you're pulling down on the right hand and basically shortening or or and lengthening the, the opposite steering line, right. the back lines as we call them, and then you have mm -hmm. the front lines, the so-called front lines. And you can also push the bar up and pull it down, which equals pulling both steering lines or back lines down simultaneously, which if you think of the lines being hooked to the back of your kite, they will pull down the so-called trailing edge, not mm -hmm. the leading edge, which is the nose or the front of the kite. They will pull down the back of the kite, which kind of increases the so-called angle of attack. If you look at it from the side, the wind comes like that and it hits the kite. Yep. Um, it will give you more drag and, and more power. 
And right. at the same time, you can let it go, let, ease it off, and the, the wind will not have as much area to basically yeah. um, float against, and right. uh, and you will have less power. So it got a lot more controllable, but still, if things get out of control and you don't know what you're doing, you're you know hitting the water, the kite is dragging you, dragging you over the sea. You you <laughs> must know what you're doing. And be, at best, yeah. you let go of the bar. You don't do anything. But what people usually do is they pull on one side, they pull on the other. Start pulling, and they don't know what's going on, and and they're they're crashing. People died, so it's it's serious. But uh, Jer, I see time, you. I see you more as a hobbyist hot air ballooner. <laughs> Just have one in my backyard. Yeah, you know, take it out on weekends. Power of the wind. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm like the wind, but I something I like something a little more passive. Right. I would definitely join for for a ride or two on the hot air ballooner. Yeah. Must be quite relaxing. <laughs> yeah. A couple yeah. of beers. <laughs> <laughs> little yeah. next I'm busy in yeah. salami. I'm busy in Keza. Exactly. Maybe yeah. parachute and and jumping off yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you do that, and then I'll just kind of bring it down gently. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. You know, if my German is nicht schlecht, your English is very very good. Um, Thank I, you. I knew I knew it would be. Every German speaks fantastic English. I just don't know English. how. I don't know what the program is that they teach in in Germany, but it's always good. And, you used the uh, word fuselage. Yeah, how did you use the word fuselage? Like, it's amazing, and uh, you're very clear at explaining everything. And I and I really appreciate uh, learning more about the sport today. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Maybe uh, it, I I would definitely not share the opinion that every German speaks excellent English because <laughs> some also really struggle. <laughs> yes. However. Yes. I work in English, so that's maybe what yeah. explains it. So nice. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming yeah, on so today, and uh, and uh, we, yeah, we really appreciate you sharing some of the stuff that's going on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, being on your show, and I look forward to to listening in. So great to talk with uh, with another German. I just love it. I know. I, like, I wish you would have spoken a little English so I could understand. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I'm happy for you and your friend. I mean, we're trying to diversify the podcast, and so, you know, we got to be inclusive and multilingual on here. Diversity. Yeah. Hey, okay, so let's get back to what we were talking about. Um, we were talking about a uh, working working order, in quotes, hot tub that this guy wants to get rid of. Yes. And then you brought up the, quote, working order Jetta that you <laughs> bought from my dad. <laughs> now, your dad told me very clearly, this is a taillight warranty. When those taillights are gone... You gone. <laughs> and was he right to tell you that? He was right to tell me that. Dude, what's happened to the thing? Dude, this poor old girl has just been through the ringer and me behind the wheel. I mean, we've run into some troubles, Jer. Take I've notes. been getting like I've been getting pics from you like the last two weeks. It's in the shop. I don't have it. Then you it's finally fixed. You poured some cash into it. I have a call with you, and I was like, oh, well, at least the money from your truck insurance, like, you paid less for the car, you had to pay for right. some repairs, so you're still even, and then, the, like, the next day, I get a photo of you, and the the hood is open, and you're like, this might be the end. This might be the end. <laughs> I know, and I don't mean to, like, I just, I only text you and tell you about that stuff, because I think you think it's humorous, and oh, I know that you I do. do. No and I know really that you, I know that you would, and you're not like I'm not. I'm not trying to do it in any malicious way, of course. But no, I just think, you know I exactly think it is what you got funny into. predicaments. And like, but I take it in stride, Jared. Like, what better way to be walking down the highway in this beautiful weather, right? 
you know what? This walk that I'm on because I've been stranded in the middle of nowhere, it's welcome. <laughs> I'm all right. It's welcome. Okay, what happened? Oh, like you want me to like like there's like there's problems, Jer. Like, did it now blow up? I, I is, the, is it still cool, no, leaking Kool-Aid? Like it's it's got some it's got some problems that I've had my guy and he's been fixing the problems. There's this big coolant issue, of course, that we've been battling with, and it's been in and out and in and out for a coolant issue, and it keeps blowing things out of the coolant. And now, and it's just kind of been. Now we decided that these have all been band-aid fixes, and there's a larger issue to the coolant issue, which is right. we're getting into head gasket world. R- oh, you're serious? Yeah head gasket issues so oh. there's a blown head gasket something i think the term is blown jerry you that's should... a big deal yeah right so i gotta tell you though i acquired a new mechanic who's been okay. working on this baby for me yeah pretty funny mechanics are such a funny breed like um i i brought it in initially because i needed to get uh, a wheel bearing done and then yep. uh, that was you know you always bring it in for one thing, and then next thing you know, twelve hundred bucks later, you're sitting there. Um, but the guy is like so hilarious. Like he um, uh, brought it in, and like the wheel bearing was like bad, and I kind of knew it was bad. But I driven, I drove for like another week, and just kind of like I just kind of forgot about it a bit. Brings it in, and he tells me like, I don't, I've never taken one off or really looked at one, but he shows it to me, and he's like personally offended at how bad I let it get. <laughs> Like personal offense. I was like, man, just like, just change it out. You know what? It's like, don't make it that big a deal. <laughs> just a freaking car. I paid you to do this. I literally just got yeah, this car. Like... This was not my wheel bearing. <laughs> oh, that's so he's good. like, but then he's like, so you heard it grinding. I was like, yeah, I heard it grinding. And you didn't, and you chose not to bring it here. Like, <laughs> all right, I waited a little long. It's like, well, why'd you do that? I was like, well, I mean, I didn't have time. I didn't want it. Like, that would go away. He's like. No, grinding. It's a wheelbarrow. You got to bring it in right away. Fix. It. Don't get worse. All right, back you, off, buddy. This is like highlighting some uh, a principle that I think actually is true about mechanics, and that they are very smart, very grounded, and like their opinions are so firm. But like you also can't really dispute their logic. You right. know what I mean? And the thing like they've I, seen I think so many hundreds of cars and so yes. many people who are like, Oh, I did this, that, and the other. You're like, no, you didn't bring it in when you were supposed to. And like, what do you expect? And then they're the ones who get the bad rap when, yes. you know what I mean? So they, I'm like, they, mechanics, they're smart. They, I think shoulder the burden of like, you know, Things getting left, people are brutal. Like they like me, leave things so long on the car, and then it causes way more problems. Um, yes. But then, yeah, you're right. They are smart. They know what they're doing. But they deal with this issue so much that, um, uh, yeah, they must just feel like everyone's kind of an idiot. But it's hard. You're right. You, no one really disputes them because they're truly an expert in their field. 90% of the people that are their customers have no idea what they're talking about. Right. I always think that's the craziest thing, like... I, I always think like in school, like high school, one semester of auto class should be absolutely mandatory. You should know how to change a tire. You should know how to check your oil, how to check the fluids. Like that totally. should be like totally basics if you're ever planning to drive a car. Totally. I can totally. do those things. Yeah. 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 And the the other thing when I say they're they're smart is like they actually know a lot about like the world and they're very opinionated and they're yep. not afraid to share their opinion, which is like exciting to me where it's like 
the mechanic shop is a safe place to like have like a bold idea or just to like say something outrageous. And I think you're right. You, you're you're not gonna like like you're not gonna be you're gonna find the PC police like policing a mechanic. Used to being an authority figure in the position, right? They're used to diagnosing a problem and then being like they're a problem solver, right? They come up with the suggestions of what needs to be done, and a lot of them they just do it. Um, so I feel like they carry that out to a lot of other opinions in their world. It might, right. be, it might be tough to be married to a mechanic. Wow. It they might be, be terrible spouses. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. Huh. Well, I, d- dude, I am, I am, uh, I'm a little bit bummed that, that this Jetta in particular was, is, is turning out to be a bit of a lemon. Hey, what you going to do? So, uh, most Are recently, you... I'm uh, this current problem. It's she's parked right now, but uh, I I got the parts in, ordered the parts myself. I'm gonna go for actually fix it myself tomorrow night. Now, is that a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> I had my guy explain everything that needs to be done. He, he feels confident. Here's the thing. I called him and I said, Perry, here's what's going on, and I actually was able to diagnose the problem. And he's like, you know what? You diagnosed that properly. I'm going to tell you what you need to do to fix that because that's actually pretty easy. Wow. He told me. He told me, he's like, okay, here's the two parts you order and here's what you do. So he's a, he's a good guy, right? Yeah, that is a good guy. And that is the interesting thing about that world too where it is annoying when someone has to change something that is that easy sure. and then you feel like you're getting ripped off. But at the same time, you're like, no, this them doing your tiny little job takes – the same space in their bay that doing a bigger job is. And so there's an opportunity cost they to put in to a small part. They still have to charge $85 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And no no um, little fix was more true than when – was it on one a trip with us in the RV where we had to change the float in the um, – there's this little float uh, that like allows fuel in or something like that. And it's just this like little piece. Like a carburetor um, or something. Yeah, and the carburetor. Yeah, oh, was that that you? was with it's, us. Yeah. Yeah. And remember how easy that was to change? You just like had to find it, and it was like a two dollar part. I know. I know. It's always like amazing how cheap the parts are sometimes. Yeah. 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 How or how cheap the fix is. So, anyway, speaking of the RV, as we wrap up this episode, we we're excited for Demo Day because it's happening. Demo Day is happening. I'm very pumped for Demo Day. Dude, it's coming up fast. It's like next Saturday. Two weeks. Yep. And we're going to have a big party in my place. We're going to rip out the inside. We're going to record everything. Yeah. Make no, some content. Yeah. Make some content. Um, I'm really excited of who's going to show up. I think we got we got a lot of maybes. We got a lot of yeses. However, that is May long weekend. So yeah. um, there's going to be a lot of bailing. It's It'll be weird, right? Like either it'll be a lot of bailing or a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't really have plans. And this sounds good. Go have some beers, a sure. barbecue, hot tub, RV, hangout. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So we'll see Come what happens. A couple but, hours, see what happens. But uh, I'm regardless, committed. I'm pretty excited. You have committed? I'm committed. Yeah. Excellent. I love and it. And I hope I to it. have the Jetta there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you, how are you getting to work right now? I uh, have a guy pick me up. Oh, yeah. Slash borrow vehicle and stuff. I make so it So you're doing here. okay. I'm doing okay. I just want to make sure you're okay, dude. Yeah, okay. No. Thank you for the concern. Because I don't think there's Uber where you live. I've never checked. Never opened my Uber app around here. All right. There's probably not. There is a taxi driver, though. Hmm. Water taxi. Not great right now. Um, Question. Yep, hit me. If you were an Uber driver. Yeah. 
I think I'd be a decent Uber driver. I was just trying to think of a way to game the system. Game it? Where it was like, could you drive someone around, like someone you know, but then I was going to say, but then the money still comes out of their pocket and some of it goes to Uber and not all of it goes to you. You're saying, like, could you be an Uber driver, like, slash chauffeur? Like, could a chauffeur be an Uber chauffeur? Ooh, yeah, maybe that, yeah. Maybe no, that. anyway. No, I was trying to think of a way to game the system, but it's impossible. Would it be cool to have a limo and be an Uber driver? And, like, be could you, like, upcharge if you picked people up in a limo? There is something called Uber Black, and it is for that type of thing, so you get picked up no, in no. fancy cars. I don't care about that. I'm talking Steerich limo. Okay, yes, okay. It probably it probably exists, Calvin, okay? <laughs> Enough of this. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Have you ever been in a stretch limo, Jer? Who calls them stretch limos? Like I feel like that's something our parents said 20 years ago. <laughs> because you know why, Jer? Because you can get a limo to the airport and guess what? It's a freaking like Lincoln four-door. Yeah. Sucks. No what longer. would what would Lincoln be without the cab industry? Without the cat, without the like, like luxury cab industry. Yeah, it'd be nothing. I don't know. It'd be nothing. Like McConaughey, would he be involved? No. <laughs> Friggin' McConaughey. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can find us uh, in the iTunes uh, store, not the store, whatever, in the iTunes podcast oh, yeah, app. The iTunes where, store. Wherever you podcast, you We're can email us your stories. Um, Jeremy or Calvin, very simple names to spell, at openroadpod.com. Send us your stories. We'd be happy to read them on the air. We hope you enjoyed uh, our episode today, and we hope it helped you find a little bit more adventure. Yeah, and check out Sebastian. Uh, he's got a lot of cool stuff going on in his world. Um, Jer, I mean, I hope to join him one day, right? That would be great. That would be great. Right. So, uh, Cal, Cal, we'll see you at uh, Demo Day. We might have an episode out before then. Who knows? But uh, we'll do our best. in the meantime, go find yourself some adventure. Rock and roll.